Hi, I'm Farron Wiener, and you're listening to the Fahrenheit Podcast. Today's episode is all about essentialism. Today on the Fahrenheit Podcast, we're going to talk about the idea of essentialism. And essentialism is something that has always had a deep meaning for me and been incredibly important in my life. As a young kid, it was something that I noticed. I was attuned to it. It was something that I was incredibly aware of in my surroundings, but had no understanding, of course, of what it meant or how it would impact my life. And as I began traveling in my 20s, I started to see the different ways that people live their lives. And I started to understand very clearly that a lot of the things we have in our lives are not essential, right? And really understanding that you don't need that much to actually live. And through the process of traveling, sometimes putting on a backpack and heading to a foreign country by myself and recognizing not only could I survive with just what I had in that backpack, but that it was actually incredibly liberating that I actually got to spend more of my emotional or mental space on other things. Someone once said to me, I love packing in a carry-on bag because I spend less time worrying about all the stuff I have with me. For those of you who out there who pack in a carry-on bag, I feel like you understand the sentiment here. Like even the idea that you will spend 10 minutes having to repack up your hotel room versus the hour with all the stuff you have to remember is an incredibly de-consuming mental approach to take. But what I started to understand as it related to essentialism was this idea that in order to understand what is essential for you in your life, what serves you and what has meaning for you, you have to create clarity. And creating clarity can only come from decluttering your mind, your body, your spirit, your soul, your relationships. And by going through the process of decluttering my life, both physically and mentally and emotionally, I was able to get closer to that clarity. And that clarity is really rooted in this idea of living an essential life. It is really understanding what is most important to you, what fuels you and what serves you in a way that has meaning and in a way that can propel and drive you forward. And that's what we're talking about in this podcast today. We're talking about essentialism and living an essential life and how creating clarity can be applied both to you building a brand for those of you out there that are here for the brand work and can also be applied to those of you who are just seeking to create clarity as an individual of who you are and what you want in your life. I grew up in Miami in a pretty well-off family. I never wanted for anything. My parents both had careers, My mom later gave up her career when she became a mother of twins. There was never anything that I needed that I couldn't get. But I think in some ways what that did was it made me more in tune with how much we always needed and wanted. And it wasn't until I started really traveling that I recognized and started to really think about the difference between the things we want and the things we need. Traveling, which is something that really began in my 20s, is where I started to see the world through a completely different lens and understand my place in the world. And I think my place with things and this idea that things, material things specifically, are generally both drivers and hinderers of the way that we live our lives. I will never forget, I remember I was in eighth grade and there was these shoes. They were kind of like a Birkenstock and they were like the trend. They were like the shoe that everybody wanted to wear. And I remember all the cool girls in the eighth grade went out and got these shoes. And there was one girl in my class that I knew could not afford these shoes. And she had gotten some other version of it. And I just remember the moment where I looked at the shoes and realized that 
the world of things were not equal, that there were people who saw things, material things as a given, and there were those who saw them as a necessity, and then there were those who saw them as a luxury. What's been really interesting is when the national emergency hit on March 13th in response to COVID, this sort of packed cart mentality took on a whole new meaning. Store shelves were cleared, shortages were announced, and stores put a cap on items purchased. And for the first time as a global community, I think we started to ask ourselves, what do we need versus what do we want? And what's really been so unbelievable is this fear around not having enough stuff. The United States is sold out of toilet paper. Toilet paper is not a requirement for survival. In fact, a human can go three full days without food or water. And so this idea that we need so many things has really always, one, I think, been a source for growth and development for me personally, really challenging myself, both personally, professionally, and romantically, to say, what are the things that actually serve me and that are required for me to live a successful life versus what is this superfluous other stuff that we're just filling our lives with that often is meaningless. I recently saw an interview with Julianne Moore in which she said for an entire year, she refused to buy anything new for herself, which ultimately made her appreciate what she did have and actually really changed her mindset on consuming. The exercise and this current worldwide pandemic and lifestyle shift have stirred up a lot of the idea for me of what does it mean to be a thoughtful consumer? What's funny with Julianne Moore with that story she told, I went through a massive change in my life about two years ago, which we will cover at some point. And after this massive change, I was impacted greatly in a lot of different ways, including financially. I remember saying to myself in the summer of 2019, I'm not gonna buy anything until the end of the year. And when I say buy anything, I didn't mean the necessities. I didn't mean food or transportation. I meant like clothing, just extra material things. And the reason that I did that was more, I think, to have a sense of control over my choices. I felt like I had to purge at that time of my life. Like I didn't need all of these things weighing me down. And in order for me to create clarity, I actually believed that I needed to cut away at all the stuff. And that discipline has become something that I challenge myself with in big and small ways. And the Julianne Moore story is just one example of really asking ourselves, what do we really need? She refusing to buy herself clothing could be for somebody else refusing to buy a new car or not really needing that extra space in their apartment. I think that it's very relevant right now as we see this gluttony of purchase happening around the country and around the world, instead of people really saying to themselves, how do I help? How do I contribute? How do I give back? What are the things that I need? But what don't I need that I can actually leave for somebody else to have? This past summer, I went to Burning Man for the first time. And when you start to see people who have been to Burning Man before and you tell them you're about to go for the first time, they always meet you with a ton of advice. First, they think there's no way you're gonna handle it. And they try to just get you prepared for the survival of Burning Man. But second, they tell you all this stuff you need, which in itself is an irony. And I got to Burning Man for the first time this year and I needed nothing. I needed a way to get around the playa. I needed food, which, In that environment, the only expectation is the basics. I needed water, I needed shelter, and I have never felt more free. And it was really interesting because for me as someone who, you don't know this about me, but I'm addicted to survival shows. You know, I've spent my whole life navigating this question of what do you want versus what do you need? Having the discipline sometimes to eradicate the superfluous stuff 
So this has been in my purview and in my lifestyle already. And Burning Man was such an amazing experience because unlike most people who for their first time feel challenged, I felt alive. And I walked onto that playa and said, I've been here before. You know, at so many points of my life, I've created a level of discipline around things and really said to myself, how do I not lean into the excess, but instead have the ability and the discipline to eradicate it? And through that lens of eradicating it, I'm able to have more clarity of what matters most. I think now more than ever, we live in this really visual world where we're often connecting our worth with the things we have or the things that we see others have. And we've gotten to a place where we just want the stuff for the signal that it creates or the feeling that it gives to us. Sometimes those feelings are positive ones, but sometimes I believe that they're negative. And I just want to say, I'm not a monk. I absolutely buy things and use things and like stuff, but to a certain point. And I think that the point, that inflection point is when is it healthy versus unhealthy? When is it serving you versus not serving you? When is it becoming an anchor instead of a launch pad? And I think we specifically here in America, right, being this really visual country where materialism and wealth have become so paramount and so important, I think we've actually gotten to a place where people are competing really with themselves when in fact, the thing I value the most and the thing that I find the most impressive is the person who doesn't need the stuff to validate themselves. I do not consider myself an expert on sustainability. I try to do my best as a global citizen. I try to take care of the planet. I try to do less harm and make good decisions, which is where it, this goes back to being a thoughtful consumer, right? I try to consume in a more thoughtful way and pick brands or companies or products that are doing better but I wouldn't call myself a sustainable customer or expert. We look at this idea of having less stuff as a sustainable, environmentally friendly message when it's actually, that's not at all what I'm talking about or referring to. I'm talking about when did we get to a place where we thought we needed so much? And when did we get to a place where the American dream became about having fancy cars and private jets and a mansion instead of having clarity, conviction, freedom of choice, the ability to know who you are. And with all that stuff around, it's really hard to get to that answer. I feel like my 20s, I was carrying around so much baggage. I actually think a great metaphor for my entire 20s was like me in an airport hauling suitcases. Emotionally, physically, I was traveling, by the way, nonstop. I was always in an airport with like a backpack that was way too big. Like I just had all these things and all these emotional things that I was carrying around with me. And I think the key to unlocking that next place is twofold. First, it was acceptance. I can accept who I am. I can accept the shortcomings that I have. I can accept the brilliance that I bring. I can accept the past. I can accept that it is just my life and there is no one else that can tell me what is right or what is wrong. And then after acceptance comes letting go. Because in order for you to let go, I think you have to accept. I started my career in my 20s during the startup boom in New York. And lots of my counterparts, lots of my colleagues have gone on to be billion dollar founders. Not 5 million or 10 million or 20 million, but billion dollar founders of some of the greatest tech and direct-to-consumer brands that are out there today. 
And I started to measure myself against their success. And no longer was my barometer of success, make money, be successful, be happy. And this was probably before my filter for decision-making had really become clear. It was become a founder of a billion dollar company. It led me down a lot of wrong paths. It led me to places where ultimately I was just, like we said before, misaligned. Maybe in business with the wrong people, maybe doing something I really wasn't qualified to do. And it wasn't until I started ignoring the shoulds and going back to what we talked about earlier, which is what do I actually want and need? What do I want out of my life? in order to be more happy and successful at the same time that I started to clarify, maybe I don't want to be a billion dollar company founder. Like maybe I'm cool running a $10 million company. Like that seems nice. Why isn't that enough? Back to all this stuff, why isn't that enough? When did that become the barometer for success in this country? And in fact, I would have never had the courage or ability to start Fahrenheit had I been driven by ego or shoulds. Because inherently, there is nothing glamorous. Or maybe that's not true. Maybe my perception of what was glamorous was really off. Because I thought to myself, there's nothing glamorous about starting a completely self-funded brand marketing agency out of your studio apartment. But I did, and have never been more aligned, happy, and successful at the same time than exactly the thing I was afraid of because society told me I shouldn't do it. Living in this world of grandeur, I think, is what made me apprehensive to it. So I started to feel this tension against the things that I thought I really wanted. And if you remember, this sort of idea of thoughtful consumerism or minimalism or whatever term you want to use for it was guiding me from the very beginning. In my early 20s, I got to go on Semester at Sea. It was the first time I really traveled. And Semester at Sea is this incredible study abroad program where you travel around the world on a boat with other students for about 100 days. You're being dropped into these countries and really mandated in some ways to be extremely respectful and to kind of seamlessly integrate and really learn as much as you possibly can. And I found myself in the middle of nowhere in China or in a family's home in Kajaraho, India, by myself, watching families have just as much both happiness and despair, joy and sadness laughter and arguments. I remember watching a mom and her daughter have this argument in their home. And I asked my translator, what are they fighting about? And he laughingly goes, the daughter won't clean her room. We were in a hut made of cow dung. It was the most beautiful, impeccably kept hut I have ever seen in my life. It was spectacular. It was painted blue. It was so clean, I would have licked the floor. And they had, to our Western perception, absolutely nothing. And the things that they were fighting over were the exact same things we fight over back here with all our stuff. This sort of pendulum, if you will, of things and of things we thought we needed. And this question of what do we need had always really been a part of my purview. And I think a part of the way I saw the world. And what I used to always say is that travel always gave me context of where I sit in the world. That is why I travel. To be inspired, to learn, to open my worldview, but it puts me in my place. I know where I live and I know where I stand and I know what my role is. And I think that coming from this environment where I wanted for nothing as a child, but I was always curious about the world around me and then going out into the world and seeing that in order to both be happy or successful, to love, 
to feel despair that the things actually do not matter. It's sort of ironic, but it's sort of the saying of like money doesn't buy you happiness. It really does not. And I can certainly tell you that the people I know who have a lot of money are no better off than those who don't. And so all of these questions of what life should be like were guiding me until I let go. And once I let go is where the change began for both my life personally and my life professionally. I was at this point of my life where I was feeling emotionally and physically weighed down by my possessions and really going through what I now think of as a lifestyle purge, asking myself what is going to bring me joy. And like we talked about before, I got rid of the job and I got rid of the guy. So I found myself in this place in New York City. I was living in a gorgeous two bedroom apartment. I opted to move and I went and I got a studio. And I remember when I first moved into the studio, I went out and I bought myself a very luxurious king size bed. And I was like, that's it. I don't want anything else. My parents came to New York to help me move and my mom went to Crate and Barrel, bought me a couch. And when the couch arrived, I said, return it. I just didn't want all these things. And it was through this process of navigating what I wanted, what I needed, that I started to feel like I just had to clear the air. In thinking that I wanted to be successful and happy, you know, what I realized it's a very universal desire and admittedly something that still drives me daily. But I was at this crossroads in my career growth where I realized that in order to accomplish more on my path, I would really have to leave a lot of the stuff behind. I had to leave the fancy corporate job. I had to leave this idea of what I should be doing or have should have accomplished by now. I should definitely leave behind this sort of societal framework that the only path toward success was being a billion dollar founder. For those listening, this might not be true to you. Like you might not see the world the way I see it, but there are things that you're not letting go of. I certainly think that there are friends of mine who'd be like, you're crazy to think you're not successful, right? My framework, if you will, or sort of my standards that I've put on myself, I understand might be my own. But it was through the process of realizing that I had unrealistic or really unnecessary standards that allowed me to start asking the questions of how do I let go of them? It was really holding me back from success in my personal life. During this time, we're in the middle of quarantine, during a global pandemic of unbelievable proportions. And one of the first things that happened when the virus hit, especially here in the US, was this gluttony, this sort of people fighting over toilet paper in the aisles of Walmart, the inability to get anything that you possibly needed because people were hoarding. There was stories of people selling Purell and hand sanitizer for exorbitant prices. And I think it really, part of why we decided to have this conversation is because it really struck me as like, we are at this breaking point where we've lost sight of what's important. So this sort of idea of gluttony, if you will, has never been more present than it is at this current moment. And one of the things we started to think about was like, what, again, do we actually and really need? Maslow, who's a famous psychologist, created this thing called the Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And it talks about the foundation and it's sort of in a triangle, if you will. The foundation is the physiological needs, air, water, food, shelter, clothing, and reproduction. The second is safety, right? So personal safety, my employment safety, property safety, health, resources, the foundational things that make us feel secure. For me, it's interesting because it kind of goes back to this idea of needing less, the distinction between what we want and what we need. 
really? I need Wi-Fi. I need my computer. I need a good cup of coffee and a piece of toast. And I am ready to go. And I was sitting here thinking to myself, I'm so deeply focused right now on how do I make sure that my businesses stay afloat? We at Fahrenheit, we're a brand marketing agency. We support founders at all different levels and walks of life who are serving thousands, if not millions of customers. How do we support them and how do we keep them afloat? How do I ensure that my team gets paid so they can pay their rent and feel secure and safe? How do I ensure that I am safe from harm's way, that I am protected, both physically, of course, but also from the coronavirus? There was never a point where I said to myself, do I need a new tie-dyed sweatsuit? And what's interesting is that currently during this global pandemic, the two things that are being challenged most have been actually both of those things. And then really this top one, the self-actualization, which is the desire to be the most that we can be. And I found myself feeling like the number one thing we should all be thinking about right now is our own survival, right? Or at least when this first began, what do we need to survive? And I think it's kind of really shifted and created a different framework of how we think about things, brands specifically, which is ultimately what we do at Fahrenheit, we build brands, brands have started to ask themselves these really fundamental questions of what value do I bring to the world? Am I a necessity? And if I'm not a necessity, how am I bringing joy? How am I bringing entertainment? How am I bringing fun? How am I maybe bringing love? When all of this first began, we were entering the corona pandemic here in the U.S., And COVID-19 had just started to pick up and the entire country was in this state of turmoil, really having no clarity on what they were going to be doing, how the states or governments were gonna react. And the number one thing that happened was consumers overpurchased. Like as a reaction to like, we're in the craziest global pandemic that this certainly society at large has ever seen in the history of our lives. And people's first reaction was, let me go out and buy all the shit that I can buy. According to USA Today, over the four weeks in March, toilet paper sales totaled 1.45 billion and people could not get them. And there was fights being broken out in supermarkets, in grocery stores, all over the country. And one of the things I was really thinking about, and for me, my natural instinct, and the thing we should be thinking about is what do we need right now? Like first, how can our families be safe? How can we ensure that we are safe and protected, that our health and our lives are not at risk? The second is, how do I support my family or myself? And that relates to jobs and job security and customers if you are serving customers. And yet the first reaction was, how do we get all this stuff? Kellogg's and I believe Hershey's are having like their best months ever. And actually what's been interesting is that the focus on sustainability or eating healthy has completely gone out the window. And the first thing that people went and bought was Oreos. I just need a good cup of coffee, really, and a piece of toast. You know, protein would be nice sometimes. I think being first an individual, an individual who wants to do the work, and that is a massive distinction, but an an individual who wants to do the work, a leader who wants to lead, and then if we're taking it even higher to a brand or a business, Clarity is the number one most important thing that you can create. Because through a lens of clarity, you can constantly navigate what's important. And what I've found is, like anything, clarity is a muscle. It is a muscle you have to constantly be working in order for it to work, quite frankly. You know, a lot of friends of mine don't believe in therapy. They don't believe in mindfulness. They don't believe in meditation. And I've said, It's funny that the thing that drives all of your behavior that controls you is the thing you think you don't have to bring to the gym. 
Like you'll go to the gym on a daily basis and run and work out and lift weights, but like you won't go work out your brain. And I think that the working out of the brain is the thing when I talk about building a muscle, that's what I mean. It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, I am the queen of clarity. I am clear on every single thing that I have and I know exactly what to do and I see the light. No, it's waking up and asking yourself very clear questions on a daily basis and saying, how do I get rid of the things that are distractions? And how do I focus on the things that matter? How do I really try to create value? And I can apply this to myself, right back to what we've talked about, this beginning of my journey where I started to say, I'm, I'm not on this train going nowhere. I want to be the conductor of my own life. I want to drive where I want to go. I don't give a shit what anyone tells me or where anyone tells me I should go. I'm going to go where I want to go. So in order for me to go where I want to go, I have to have a destination. And that destination came from what do I want? What do I need? What's going to make me successful and happy at the same time? And by the way, those two things are two things that are my choice. You might say, I want to be secure and adventurous. And those are my two values. Like for me, I knew I want to be successful in the things I do. I'm ambitious and that's okay. And I also want to find joy and be happy in those things. And so it was, how am I driving towards that destination through this filter? But then in order to stay on that track, I am constantly veering around obstacles, distractions, temptations, my own ego, what people think about me. Sometimes I veer and that's okay too. You just make a little hard left and come right back. I think for brands, it's quite similar. We live in this world of constant distraction and influence. I can't tell you how often our brands come to us and show us what another brand is doing. And what we try to say is, okay, is that going to serve the customer? Is that going to create value? Is that really in your lane? Because if you single-handedly focus on the world around you, you'll never know the world that you're actually in. And I think that whether it's building a brand, being a leader, or trying to be an individual leader for yourself, the number one thing you can do and where you can start is by letting go of what everyone else is telling you, of the things around you, and focusing on the destination in front of you. Here at Fahrenheit, we build brands. Brands come to us who really need help in figuring out who they are and the place that they want to live in the world and how they're going to reach their audience of customers that are hopefully going to love them. And the process of creating that clarity is really a process of elimination. It's starting with a really wide net and saying, all of this is available to me. I could be this thing or I could be that thing. I could serve that customer. I could serve this customer. I could serve this product. I could serve that product. And really through the process of elimination is where you start to hone in on a much more clearly defined strategy of who you are and the world you want to build. And I think that goes for all of us personally as much as it does professionally as brands. And in some ways, the strongest brand I have ever built is my own. I take what I learn about building brands, this idea of creating clarity, building a discipline, zeroing and shrinking the world to be smaller and more refined. I take that same filter to my own life, even by accident sometimes. So I think that for us, when we think about letting go, as part of this, removing of the ego. You know, we talk a lot about building brands as a deeply egocentric process. Founders will come to us and they don't even realize how deeply connected their own view of the world is to the brand they want to build. And also putting something out into the world, putting yourself out into the world is a vulnerable experience. Even if you think you can disconnect the two, it's very hard to disconnect the two. So sometimes we'll have founders who will come to us 
and we can immediately tell the emotion that they have in putting this baby out into the world. And so through this process, we're often tapping into the emotional side and the tactical side. And I think that's what we do at Fahrenheit. I think here at Fahrenheit, our entire process is there is an emotional side to being an entrepreneur, a leader, a founder, a customer. It is tough. It is intense. It is emotional. It is deep. And then there's the actually, how do you get shit done? The tactical stuff. What are the four things you should do to launch a brand? What is the right or wrong way to design your business? What do you need for your e-commerce experience to be successful? Right? All the tactical stuff. And we do that too but you can't disconnect one with the other. And I think that in order to answer the questions of part two, you have to start with the part one, which is the same view that I take on being an individual or being a leader. How do you create a refined world that you ultimately create? And I talk about this all the time, a freedom within a framework. Once you have that framework, it's very freeing to live inside of it. (laughs) 